Hi, this is Atticus. You might know my mom, Heather, from Shine.fm. This is the Shine.fm MomCast. Take it away. Thanks so much for tuning in to the MomCast today. I have a very special guest, uh, Sarah Bowling, who, uh, boy, Sarah, I don't even know. You have so many things that you have done in your life. I don't even really know what title to give you, but you're an author and a person who started an organization, a, a global international organization. Introduce yourself to our listeners. Hey there. So thank you so much, Heather. I really appreciate the honor to be with you. I started a global humanitarian relief. Um, so I, I, my aim is babies and toddlers in developing countries where the need is most urgent. So I'm looking for survival needs. I'm looking for infant mortality um, and where the care is least available. So I do three things. Uh, one is co- obviously is like malnutrition. That's kind of self-evident. And we don't do malnutrition in just kind of, you know, kind of suggestive areas. We do play, do that where the survival is pretty much certain that it will, they will not survive without mm-hmm. our malnutrition. So we, we work in areas where there's severe acute malnutrition. And then we have something, uh, we do birth aid. So we, uh, there are lots of things we do with that. We do training clinics, um, obstetric care, uh, pre and postnatal care for babies and, ta- babies and newborns in very high-risk areas such as Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, some of those countries mm. in the Middle East. So we do something called birth aid because there's a lot of those places they don't have like on the ground uh, neonatal care. So we want to we want we want to occupy that space and that's really essential for us because that's part of our mission. And then we do something called night care where we look after babies and toddlers of sex workers in developing countries. So we're in five countries, sorry, not five, three countries now in developing world. So we work in Bangladesh and in India, as well as Cambodia uh, with night care. So instead of daycare, um, right. we're assisting these moms. And a lot of people are like, hey, you know, you're, you're supporting prostitution. I'm like, well, you could look at it that way, but I prefer to see that I'm looking after a baby and a toddler who's caught in the crosshairs of a very horrendous, environment right. and my night care provides uh, an alternative outlook for their destiny instead of on the bed with mom as she's working so right. it's i love what we do because it's babies and toddlers for the least of these right. i mean that's exactly what jesus said if you do this to the least of these man <laughs> right so i'm I, i'm all happy as a clam thinking i get to do the least of these because it's jesus right how did all this start uh let's go back to 2009 you took a trip and something happened. Tell us about yeah. that. So I'm, I was with my daughter at that time. She's around eight years old, and I have three kids. So I'm a mom at heart, and you know, I bleed mom. Of course, that's who we are. And um, when I was there, there were these newborns that had been abandoned on a field in this orphanage. The orphanage. The police rang up the orphanage and said, "Hey, can you take care of these newborns? We found them on a field, and we don't have any place for them." And the orphanage said, "No, we can't do that. It's against our policies." I found out later, I was like, well, why would you, you're an orphan. I didn't, that didn't make any sense. It didn't compute at all. And so <laughs> right. what they explained is um, we have limited resources. And so we can use the same quantity of resources for, you know, 10 five-year-olds that it would take for two one-year-olds. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. So the orphanage said, no, sorry, we can't take them. And the police said, well, if you don't take them, we have to put them back on the field. <laughs> <gasps> I know. And the orphanage is like, well, they scrambled. Well, okay, 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 okay. We'll do the level best we can. 
So I met those newborns. They'd been there like, I don't know, maybe a day or two. Mm. And I was completely unraveled. That's That was kind of the beginning of everything. I was like, oh, my God. You know, babies hanging, literally hanging by a thread. And mm. I was like, I, you can't, I can't stand by and just be ambivalent about that. I'm a mom. Right. I mean, that's instinctual. That's hardwired in. And I'm not going to just stand on my watch and say no big deal and be apathetic. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do that. Right. So how did you, I mean, like, you've started an international organization. I mean, now it's been uh, quite a while, actually, uh, over 10 years. That you, but how, how do you do that? I mean, how do you, I mean, and you can say, yes, it was by the hand of God. But, like, clearly you have some skills and God has opened up some doors. Kind of share with us, like, how it expanded. Because you just told us earlier that this is now in so many countries and you're doing so many different things. This one situation. Situation when you were on a mission trip with your daughter has now birthed this literally tell us how all that happened what how did you how did god do that how did he use you to do that yeah go to a to z right yeah exactly <laughs> um i wrote a book called hanging by a thread and so that's a really that kind of tells the story all the nitty-gritty gory details and i relived all of it i don't heather i wouldn't say i have a lot of skill I think I just am dumb enough to say yes. <laughs> and uh, and I think, too, it's not we're not quite 10 years old, but I think I, I just tried. I And I stubbed my toe a lot, mm. but I just said, OK. And I, I think because of God loving me and God loving through me, I never wanted to say no to that. And for babies and toddlers, I don't know. I mean, it just gets under your skin, particularly as a mom. Particularly, I mean, like we think about what we do for our babies and toddlers. And I just so I just I said, OK, yes, I'll do it. And and there were a lot of times there were times when there were finances like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But God supernaturally provided. And then there were times when I was persistent and said, hey, I know God put this in my heart. I know the door's closed, so I'll just try a different doorknob, mm, you know. Mm-hmm. And I did that a fair amount as well. And. And, you know, finding and I found that God did a lot of those divine appointments. You meet people and you're like, wow. Right. <laughs> and that, the book is full of of God doing God stuff. Hmm. And I, I am nothing without I am. I'm ineffective. I'm a I'm a basket case. Literally like Moses. Right. A basket case. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. <laughs> That's me. I have a poster job for basket case. <laughs> and the the organization that you started is called Saving Moses. And it's it's all based on that. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, if someone does read the book, um, you really want them to be encouraged by. God putting something in your path. Now, you probably look back at that time at 2009 and say, that was a really hard thing to witness. It was a hard thing to see. And then as God led you to start this organization, like you just said, there were times where you were like, the door was closed, so I'm going to try a different door. I'm sure you had a lot of times of like, God, this cannot be what you want me to do because you're facing so many roadblocks. But this book you wrote was to help people to say, Step into the pain, step into the void. How do you encourage people to do that when that's that's super hard, Sarah? Like people, I mean, it's almost in our nature to be like, nope, don't want to enter into that pain. I'm going to do whatever I can to avoid. I mean, like, I don't watch the news, Sarah, because I don't necessarily want to see some of the things going on in our world. But God puts those things in our lives and he can't let us let go of those things. So how do you encourage people in that? You know, Heather, I think 
I think it's it's the day to day. And, you know, what I do around the world is, you know, it's global and big. But I think for each listener. So I had a friend talk with me yesterday. His sister is, you know, needing some divine, some intervention. Mm. And, you know, they're not necessarily in our church. I don't know anything about his faith or anything like that. But I just had compassion. Mm. And I think, you know, you look around the world and like, okay, that's big and that's far away. But there's also in the immediacy of our day-to-day living. And so my friend who, who told me, he's like, you know, I'm really concerned about my sister. And I, it's just a, it's just it, like compassion. Mm. I'm concerned. You're my friend. You love your sister. I want to be compassionate. I want to, you know, do you need a ride to the airport? You know, what can I do to help you? Mm. And I just think that compassion. I don't think you have to live around on the planet, on, you know, whatever planet. I think you can do that today. I think we can see people, and there are people in our lives. America, I don't care where you're at. I, I, I think that internally, we can let God's love, and I love it. Romans five five, the love of God poured into poured out into our hearts through through the Holy Spirit. And I just think that's how Jesus defines us. You know, if we follow Jesus, people know we follow Him by our love for each other. And so I just think love and compassion are kind of those clarion calls, those milestone like you know things that stand up and say, hey, that's that's important, that's significant, and love. Love mm. wherever we're at. And be receptive to love. Let God love us as well. And one of the things I found, I just finished with this real quick, I found that, you know, a lot of times we think, well, I can't love until I know that I'm loved. But I find with God and genuine love, there's enough at, to do both at the same time. They're not sequential, one, then two. I find genuine love is inclusive. It includes when I love others, I sense love myself. Hmm. When I am loved, I can't help but love others. I mean, there's enough genuine love to overflow every uh, the humanity that we live in. So I think we can say yes to the, where we live now today. Hmm. That is really good, Sarah, really good. I want to ask you if you can look back on, you know, you said your daughter was with you in 2009. That means your daughter's... Is she 18 now? Yep, 19. <laughs> and is she your oldest or was she your youngest? She's my oldest. Okay. And I have two boys that are teenagers as well. Okay. How have you seen God using what he has asked you to do to impact your kids? I think it's interesting because it's, that you know, the generational question. Yeah. And uh, I come out of that. My mom was Marilyn Hickey, is Marilyn Hickey. And so there, I have some generational and. You know, she's a famous Bible teacher. And so mm. I appreciate that continuity of God's plan continues generationally. And I, I can't I can't pinpoint with my kids because, honestly, I think they're pretty young mm-hmm. to figure out what are the footsteps. But I see them. I see I see Holy Spirit talking to them. You know, it says it in Romans eight sixteen. He confirms with our heart that we're God's children. And I see Holy Spirit talking to my kids individually Mm. and certainly in unique ways because they're very, very distinct. Mm, (laughs) mm -hmm. And uh, I see Holy Spirit talking to them in in ways that are, that are meaningful and um, Velcro for each of them. Mm. And so I don't know exactly how that plays out. I know that they're, they're super smart. They're super fun. They're extremely hilarious. And I see them putting their toe in the water and saying, well, what has God put in me? You know, mm. what are the skills? What are the talents? 
what am I passionate about? And they've all been around the world. They've all seen depravity. They've all seen, you know, abhorrent poverty. They've seen. And so I just think they, so they appreciate the world isn't necessarily suburbia America. Mm -hmm. You know, they Mm -hmm. have a broader context and I think that's healthy and constructive. And I, I think it's yet to unfold what God has for them. And, and I say that for me because I, this didn't start to unfold for me before my 40s. Right, right. But I think you downplay your influence on them because I think there are a lot of moms that, you know, maybe they are not listening to what God has for them or not listening to that call because I think that they're ultimate. And I'm not saying like your kids are going to, I think all of our kids have the potential to do amazing things, whether they just have a suburban worldview or they have a, you know, large worldview. But I think that you downplay when you're obedient to God and when God has called you to do, there's an influence that that is going to be on your kids. So, I mean, I want to I encourage so. you with that. I think so. But I also look at my mom and there's there's two in my family, me and my brother. And my brother was a drug addict for more than 20 years. Mm. And my mom did it all right. That was in the midst of her high, high octane Bible teaching, you know, church. She's mm-hmm. a pastor's kid. I mean, all that. And I think. The idea that, you know, I'm going to do all these things right and then it's going to turn out, you know, like they're going to be, I don't, I don't always see that. Hmm. And so I'm really, really careful and, and cautious, um, for that because I think each child in the, each individual has a unique journey with God hmm. and, and experiencing God for themselves and having God love them and, and really affirm their identity as well as their design and how God's wired them. I think that's, and and I think we get as a mom, we get to pray into that, mm. and and we get to speak into it for sure, for sure. But we get to pray into God. What do you have for? Because you know, like Hannah didn't know what Samuel's call was, but she prayed into it and she invested into it every year. Brought him a new little tunic, you know. And I think <laughs> we get to do that stuff. Yeah. And and on a little rabbit trail, Samuel slept next to the Ark of the Covenant. If you read it, I think it's in First Samuel four. He slept next to the Ark of the Covenant, hmm. which is pretty phenomenal because that represents God's presence, you know? I mean, yeah. And I think Hannah was dialed into, look, I want to have my little boy around God, God's presence. That's important. Hmm. And and he became pretty significant leader. <laughs> yeah. In all of Israel, right? I mean, like he's, right. he's a really shine, shine out, standout guy. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. The uh, organization is called Saving Moses. People can get information by going to savingmoses.org. The new book, uh, which is now, uh, when, when this comes out, Sarah, it will be available, and it's called Hanging by a Thread. Sarah, thank you so much for enduring Skype to talk to me today. You are magnificent, Heather. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the wonderful opportunity and privilege.